Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us here at CBE Denver's podcast, Mutuality Minded. We at CBE Denver seek to advance the gospel by equipping Christians to use their God-given talents in leadership and service, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. We aspire to encourage one another to develop leadership skills and spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ through the Word of God. During this episode, we will be discussing what mutuality mindedness looks like in regards to gender inequality and justice. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce our guest on the podcast today, Professor Patty Pell. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Professor Pell is an assistant professor of cultural engagement at Denver Seminary. Prior to her work at the seminary, she worked as a college pastor, an adult ministries pastor, and a pastor of community outreach. Her passion for justice and reconciliation has led her to spend time in urban Denver, India, Kenya, and teach in Uganda. Additionally, she has published several, several books and study guides with InterVarsity Press. We are so excited to have her on today's podcast. So welcome to Mutuality Minded, Professor Pell. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. So yeah. thank you. We're so excited to have you. Um, As a Denver Seminary graduate myself, um, I've been able to witness uh, Dr. Pell speak at various events and including events hosted by CBE Denver. Um, Professor Pell is a member of CBE Denver's advisory board and is a strong advocate for mutuality. I know from speaking personally to her many of her students um, just how much they appreciate the justice program at Denver Seminary um, and how they have gleaned from her classes and her wisdom. Students are excited to take them and engage around this topic, and I know that their excitement stems from your expressed passion and justice for justice and reconciliation. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's <laughs> quite the introduction. I appreciate uh, there that. There you go. Well, you know, but before we get started, I, I think it would be helpful if you could help us define some terms. So what would you say is gender inequality and justice through the biblical understanding? Yeah, I think... Um, Let me start with trying to define justice, um, biblical justice, because I think if we talk about gender inequality or injustice related to gender, it falls under the broader concept of um, biblical justice or um, that that big lens. So um, it's important for us, I think, as Christians to think through the differences between biblical justice and justice that is talked about in the broader culture. There's a lot of overlap, certainly, but there's some um, differences that are significant. So when we talk about biblical justice, I think the two things that are really important to remember is that uh, biblical justice is grounded in the character of God, um, that he is a God of justice, Um, He's a God of holiness and love and mercy. All of those things are a part of his character. And so because justice is a part of who he is, then the second thing is that biblical justice is grounded in the biblical narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that that's one of the differences um, between talking about justice from a Christian perspective and, and maybe from outside the church is that biblical justice is again grounded in the whole story of scripture as opposed to kind of pulling pieces out and trying to define or understand pieces of justice without the whole framework of biblical redemption Mm, so yeah so um gender inequality or injustice related to gender kind of falls in that and um I don't know if you want me to go on or we're going to come back to the difference between biblical justice, but some of the key concepts, I think, in terms of biblical justice, um, 
are uh, recognizing that the creational intent in Genesis 1 and 2 is one of shalom. Um, and that means not just the absence of conflict, but wholeness and rightness. Um, everything is as it ought to be. Um, another term that's been used a lot in the last 10 to 15 years is human flourishing. Um, mm. I like that term to describe that creational intent. Everything had what, you know, everyone and everything in creation had what they needed to not just survive, but to flourish. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at that creational intent, it's this as it ought to be. And then, of course, we know what happens in the fall in Genesis 3, but but the the biblical narrative then is a whole trajectory, a redemptive trajectory, to move back to that picture mm -hmm. of the garden. So we have shalom and then brokenness, but shalom is the end of the story as mm -hmm. well in Revelation, um, where God is working to redeem and bring mm -hmm. all things new, as it says in Revelation. So that's the end of the picture as well. Right. And so justice has to be a part of that. Um, you can't have injustice and shalom at the same time. So if there's injustice, um, who, whoever is experiencing that injustice does not have what they need to flourish. And so, absolutely, yeah, so justice is a part not only of God's character, which flows throughout the whole biblical narrative. But I love how you compared or just talked about the, the both hand approach of if there's a redemption piece and justice. You can't have justice without redemption because I think a lot of times, especially in just modern culture, we hear the word justice and we're like, fighting words, man. I'm gonna go be advocates for all of the above. So, um, but biblical justice and uh, and seeing how that plays out in the grand narrative of scripture, you can't have that without redemption. That's just all about the creation story of what God intended for us. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, um, it's been a lot of time in the Exodus narrative mm. um, because Exodus, I think, is a biblical framework for our understanding of biblical redemption. So if you think about the reality of the Israelites in Egypt, they were oppressed in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, economically. And, and so when God redeems Israel, um, he redeems them and is restoring them in all of those ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so that becomes the framework for Israel in their own identity, but also I think a framework for a, our understanding of the very holistic um, redemption that God is about. Sometimes people think, well, justice is just working towards kind of deliverance in the physical economic realm, but mm -hmm. they forget the spiritual redemption, forgiveness of sin right. that is a part of the holistic understanding of justice. And then the other side of that is to focus so much on the forgiveness of sin and to ignore the rest of the framework that we see in Exodus and the rest of scripture that, that um, God God is working against injustice and oppression in all of those realms. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm going to ask you my next question too. Sure. Uh, now that we have some uh, definitions down, what first inspired you to work passionately and advocate for gender inequality and justice? That is a great question. Um, there are, I think, a variety of threads that that God has woven together in my own life. And um, I've recently been kind of talking through that in terms of different conversions. So not, not a conversion of coming to Christ initially, but conversions in terms of a deeper understanding of things. Mm, I love um, that. 
in my the first few decades of my ministry life, um, I had the great privilege of working on a lot of teams that were very diverse. So um, diverse ethnically, um, racially, and men and women. And I just began to hear experiences that were so different from my mm-hmm. own. Um, and began to see life through the eyes and experiences of people who had really, really different stories. And so it was a conversion of some sort into, wow, there's a lot out there in terms of what people experience that I don't, um, and, and beginning to open my mind to that. So there's this relational kind of conversion um, and hearing stories of people who really lived in continual contexts of injustice. Um, and then my deep dive into scripture in my seminary days in the Old Testament, so my master's degree is in Old Testament, and um, seeing some of those patterns of redemption and holistic redemption and how social justice is such a key a part of Israel's identity and God's expectation for them and that carried throughout the biblical narrative. So there was kind of a conversion just in terms of understanding oh, scripture. Sure. Yeah. And then I think... Um, There was also a level of conversion for me of recognizing that when we talk about injustice, it's not just an individual issue, right? That there's systemic and structural Mm -hmm. implications. And that, I think, coming from a background of um, privilege where the system has worked for me in so many ways, um, recognizing that that's not the case for everyone and that there Mm -hmm. are, you know, there are barriers to the human flourishing of people Mm -hmm. that are structural and systemic. So that was another whole level of conversion and, and all of those threads being woven together, I think, and then experience in ministry with, with people groups in our community that were really struggling, um, and, on the edges of flourishing, that was kind of a hands-on experience of putting yeah, some of that into absolutely. practice. This is a long answer to your short question. No, but <laughs> oh, you know, it's, it is kind of a loaded question too, because I mean, there's there's passion and that passion accumulates over years and seeing lots of things. And I know, especially uh, in the past several years too, that's been more of a, um, social media has kind of made this even more known of how we need to be talking about systemic structure and those kind of things and how that's the implications of that, what that comes across and not only just society in general, but also in the church too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And gender, you know, gender um, injustice or inequality is obviously a part of that, a piece of that. And so certainly I have my own stories of experiencing that as a woman that um, fed into some of these other threads and, and conversions. Wow. Yeah. So we still see gender inequality today um, in America and within our world. Where have you seen in your vast experiences with reconciliation, where has that been working? Yeah, particularly in gender um, inequality. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the research is, there's a ton of research out there to show and to confirm that there still is great inequality in mm-hmm. terms of women's experience in the workplace. Um, inequality in terms of pay, um, different expectations for women um, in terms of balancing um, work and home life, different expectations in terms of their responsibility of raising families and the implications of that. So, you know, women are um, expected 
generally um, to take on more responsibility of raising families, which requires a little more in and out of the workplace, but then um, that becomes a barrier down the road. Um, I think there's uh, still a lot of inequality um, that is a bit unconscious in the workplace in terms of um, the way that men and women are mentored differently mm -hmm. in the workplace. So in one of the leadership classes that I have taught the past few semesters, we talk um, a lot about just that mentoring process and that in the corporate world, um, men are given just different kinds of mentoring opportunities than women and, and the things that are assumed or that happen in those spaces for men um, are the things they need to be promoted and to excel and women are missing out on that. So I think there are a lot of levels um, in the corporate world, but there's also lots of research out there and more discussion about those things. Um, I think there are spaces um, societally where women still find it much more difficult to gain access to. Mm. And then I think in the church, there's just ongoing discussions about what that means and is, I think one of the, the, hot topics is, you know, for, for a different theological perspective, is that something that should, um, or can be considered inequality or unjust? And I think people land in different places on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yet I think if we're asking the big questions of what, what take, what does it take for women to flourish mm -hmm. in every way? That's a good way to approach the conversation. If, yeah, I we, love that uh, of it's, it's not about all the way where we are different on approaching that, but it's how can we really embody the flourishing of women? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I will add just quickly that I think in Genesis, um, what we see in Genesis that both men and women were given intimacy and relationship, but they mm -hmm. both were also given purpose and mission. They were both given the mission of tending um, the garden, and um, I think that translates into both men and women um, needing the environment to flourish in relationship and in purpose and mission. So that's another way to approach that of thinking through how are our churches in empowering women to flourish in all their giftedness and in the purpose and mission to which they're called. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I love that purpose and mission. It's both and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so justice, I mean, we've mentioned this a couple of times now is a hot topic word. Uh, especially here in America. Um, and I often, I know I get asked, what's the difference between social justice and biblical justice? And are there any overlaps? Um, why is this important to talk about? Yeah, I think as we, as we were kind of chatting at the beginning, um, the, the biblical narrative um, gives us an understanding of what justice is that is slightly different than the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think the overlap is the recognition of what oppression is like, of um, the lack of dignity and honor, um, worth that is given to different groups of people, um, the lack of access. Um, so those kinds of things are, there's a lot of overlap. I think the differences, again, is that biblical justice is grounded in God's character and, and grounded mm -hmm. in that story of God moving from shalom to shalom. Um, and I and this the holistic idea of redemption. Mm -hmm. Again, um, I don't think we can get to a place of justice without addressing the spiritual need Absolutely. Um, and our own brokenness and sin. So if that's not a part of the 
the world's understanding of justice. That would be a place where we diverge in terms of our definition of justice. I think we need to be working towards um, deliverance of people and flourishing in every area, and mm -hmm. that includes the spiritual. Um, and again, I think sometimes places in the church tend to maybe focus only on the spiritual and mm -hmm. then um, ignore or deny to some extent the other areas that I think God wants to bring about deliverance and flourishing. Yeah. And I love that you talk about spiritual need in our own brokenness. It's hard to come to the table and have conversations mm -hmm. with a heart of understanding without recognizing what's going on in our own hearts mm -hmm. and what's going on in our our own lives and how does that affect other people too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our sinfulness affects every area of our life and certainly our perspectives, our bias, um, all those kinds of things. And so much of, well, a lot of our sin is obviously conscious, but I think so much of our brokenness too is unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. We're just not aware of how we, how it affects us and then how the environment and context around us affects us. We're not, we're not autonomous, um, rational beings <laughs> entirely. We're affected by our social context. Oh, we're sure. affected by everything around us. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, praise God that, you know, the word is living and active mm -hmm. and Amen. not stagnant, right? <laughs> For that reason, mm -hmm. because we do live in a constantly changing world where culture is, does affect and impact yeah. And I mean, scripture attests so much to that of how can we hear and like leave and live the word of God into cultural context as that continues to change throughout history. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would point out another difference in terms of, um, a social justice perspective and a biblical justice is the whole doctrine of the kingdom is here, but not yet. Um, I think the world sometimes thinks that we can keep making progress and eventually get to that place where there is full justice, there is full redemption. And I think the biblical narrative um, says that that will only happen in the new heavens and the new mm. earth. And so yeah. we as Christians have to hold that tension together. Mm. Um, we're called to, I think, co-labor with Christ in the work of redemption in all area in which people are oppressed, but that will not fully be fulfilled mm -hmm. until the end. Yeah. Yeah. So what would your encouragement be to those that are, they're just really angry and upset in the meantime of in this waiting process, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, I would say my encouragement to people is that that is the life of a Christian is to hold things in tension mm -hmm. and it is the both and of the kingdom is here uh, the kingdom was ushered in in Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work. Mm -hmm. There's is the work of redemption, and yet it's not here. So we we live in that. That will be our whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and to, I think, a mature faith recognizes that tension, and can live in the the paradox of that. Mm -hmm. And living in that tension allows us to both engage social action and social justice but also be secure in our relationship with Christ and knowing that our work 
is a part of the labor with Christ again, but it won't, Mm -hmm. it will not finally come to fruition until the end. Mm -hmm. Um, that keeps us from the two ends of the spectrum, either becoming so disillusioned that, um, we just withdraw from social engagement or social action, um, or kind of that otherworldly that we're just not going to care because it'll all get worked out at the end. And so we don't have to work for, Mm -hmm. you know, for justice or redemption in this world that those are, um, Yeah. Those two ends of either it's all about working for it now, or we don't work at all for it and we just wait for the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. Those are the poles that I don't think either are, are communicated in scripture. We, we land in the tension of both. Yeah. Holding the tension. Yeah. Which such a (laughs) lovely thing to do. Just hold the tension. Yes, it is. And it's important for us to I'd learn how to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I, as we were talking about holding attention, I'm, I'm a musician and I think about, mm. um, so I play guitar and when you, uh, strings are on a guitar, holding the tension constantly at a perfect spot for us to be able to play a chord or to play a note. Um, and so there's something beautiful to be mm. said about that. It's, if it's too loose, you can't hear it. Nothing's happening. If it's not even on there, can't hear it. Nothing's happening. Um, but that place of tension is a place of beauty and such like a tangible mm. reminder like that to, to pr- provide hope for us of it's, we're an instrument mm-hmm. for the Lord's good, for yeah. his constant, um, reconciliation in all of this. Mm, that's a beautiful metaphor. I love that. I am not a musician. I don't think I have <laughs> a musical bone in my body. So yeah. <laughs> that's a great metaphor. I'll probably steal that from oh, you. Oh, <laughs> well, please do. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, I love, I, I love that you address, address the tension with that too, because it is hard whenever we're, um, living in the world and trying to um, faithfully live out the call the Lord has for us, but know that we live in a broken world Mm -hmm. and that brokenness can be really discouraging. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what encouragement? Well, speaking of encouragement, how would you um, encourage Christians today to embody gender equality and justice? Um, I would encourage Christians to, um, First of all, to model, um, I think one of the discouraging things currently is perhaps um, our the times that we have um, not taken advantage of the opportunities culturally to show redemption and to show the the gospel being lived out in terms of um, our love for one another in very practical, tangible ways mm-hmm. and our. Um, being willing to address places of gender inequality and injustice and just injustice in a variety of realms. Um, I think the only way the world will be convinced that there's hope in Christ and that there um, is this redemption is to see it, to see mm. glimpses of it. And certainly the church is not going to live it out per, um, perfectly, but we have to model that um, and to ask those big questions of who is not flourishing around us. How are they not flourishing? What are the barriers to their flourishing? What are the what are the barriers and the obstacles that are there that exist that we may be perpetuating that keep people from experiencing um, 
yeah, deliverance from things or that, that mm. flourishing. And we can ask that question about our own local congregations, um, but we can also ask bigger questions about the community. And I think if, if we're willing as Christians to enter into those conversations and to really commit ourselves to learning about the concerns around us, mm-hmm. um, learning about them, but also reflecting on them theologically and biblically, then we can be involved in the, the conversation in an, or, uh, an informed way and be a redemptive process. Right. But ultimately the church has to model it Yeah. So I hate to say, well, we have to start with ourselves because sometimes then we just stay there. Right. And we, we don't move out into the broader community, but it's a both and it is a both. And yeah, that's the theme for today. Yep. Both and (laughs) and and. (laughs) like I say that all of the time, it's a both and it's that tension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know that there's a lot of pastors and leaders I'll be listening in on this too. So is there any resources or just, um, things that you could recommend that'd be helpful of learning how to model this more? There are so many resources, um, out there. Um, and it, you know, reading broadly about a variety of social concerns Mm, is really important. And I think reading from a a variety of disciplines, whether resources from a faith-based perspective or a sociological perspective or an economic perspective or political, you know, it's important to read widely um, so that we're informed and can reflect on things theologically. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I always say is we we've got to be studying scripture in diverse communities. Right. Um, when we only study scripture in groups that come from the same experience in life, we can't address our own blind spots. Mm. Um, but when we're reading scripture, engaging in study and, and interpretation with people from different experiences, Mm, we're much more likely to see in the text deeper, broader um, themes that we just miss because we we all come to the text Mm -hmm. from our own backgrounds. And so, yeah, yeah, in terms of pastors, I would say if, you know, whether it's pastoral networks or Uh those kinds of things, if, if people can commit to work being in scripture and in prayer, with a diverse set of mm-hmm. of people, whether that's a racial and ethnic difference or gender, mm-hmm. really, really important in our own development. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not like we enjoy learning about our blind spots, but it's definitely <laughs> necessary to have a fuller picture and one that's of humility, honestly, yeah, um, to understand how we actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're so we are so limited by our own our own experiences. Um, everyone is, and so yeah, yeah, anything we can do, like you said, to humbly be a learner and take that learning attitude in relationship with one another and seeking out information and the stories um, of other people. I think God uses all of that to form us and to mm-hmm. convert and redeem the places that we really need to be oh, redeemed. Absolutely, yeah. Well. Final question. Yeah. Is there any parting words you want to leave the listeners or things that you can think of? If not, that's really fine too. But mm. um, I think we as followers of Jesus 
have hope that the world doesn't have um, and desperately needs. You know, we're mired in really important conversation and work around social concerns and issues Mm. that are about people's lives and the lives of communities, not just individuals, but um, communities. So we're involved in that, but there's a hope in Christ that redemption will come fully at the end and that he is in the process of redeeming. So we, we do have a hope, right, that lives in us. And I think that should motivate us to get really involved. Um, and we also have security in Christ. So we can get involved as learners and in a posture of humility to learn from other people. And we have security in Christ, which allows us to say we don't know everything and we really need to learn. Amen. That's, and there's we are freedom broken. in that. <laughs> there's freedom in not knowing yes, everything. Yes, Absolutely. Creates a greater dependence on the Lord, mm-hmm. which is what we need. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for joining us today on CB Denver's podcast. We're just so glad you're able to come and talk about this. Um, and thanks for everyone who's been listening in on CBE Denver Mutuality Minded. If you want more information about CBE Denver or would like to engage in further dialogue about the topics we discuss on this podcast here, uh, check out our website at cbedenver.com or visit Facebook and Instagram for more information. So wherever you guys may be, whether it's driving to work, hitting the gym, cooking at home, any of the above, thanks for joining us and remember to stay mutuality minded. Until next time.